Hello and welcome to the Landed Podcast. I'm John Montgomery, co-founder of Landed, a travel company specializing in tailor-made journeys throughout Latin America and the Antarctic. At Landed, we're devoted to exploring these regions, searching out exceptional experiences and locations for our clients. The Landed Podcast profiles some of our favorite places and brings you conversations with friends we've made along the way, explorers, artists, and visionaries. If you're a repeat listener, welcome back. If you're new to the show, thanks for joining us. East of the Andes, Peru's landscape descends into densely forested river basin. The waters collected here merge with those from the northern half of the continent to form the tributaries of the Amazon. In Peru's north, the island city of Iquitos is a launching point for multi-day river cruises. Each day, guests are presented with full and half-day options to explore narrow river branches, visit indigenous communities, and view exotic wildlife. Longer cruise programs visit the Pacaya Samiria Reserve, which spans more than 5 million acres. In this region, you can encounter pink river dolphins, monkeys, sloths, caimans, and a rainbow of birds. If you're very lucky, you might see a jaguar or a tapir. December through March is rainy season, with higher temperatures and afternoon rainfall. So to avoid the heat, most excursions are conducted in the early morning and afternoon. Midday is best for siestas and cold drinks. I've been coming to the Amazon for more than 20 years, and it continually surprises. The wildlife, the weather, the people, the seasons make each visit unique and special. In my travels through southern Peru, Brazil, Colombia, and Ecuador, most of my Amazon explorations have been by canoe or on foot or from lodges. On this trip, I was welcomed aboard the Aria, a small-scale cruiser based in the northern Peruvian city of Iquitos. The Aria is more than a luxury vessel. It's a floating base for wildlife observation and excursions on the river and into the forest. The mobility of these cruises broadens your reach, allowing you to experience a broader range of wildlife and habitats. While aboard the Aria, I sat down with two of the guides who made my trip so worthwhile. George Davila and Roger Tejada grew up on this river. This is the home of their ancestors. Their trained eyes have astonishing forest vision, spotting camouflaged wildlife undetectable to mere mortals like me. When we weren't goggling birds, dolphins, and primates, these guys were making me laugh. It's obvious they love their work. They meet each day with a contagious sense of playfulness and wonder. Here's my conversation with George Davila and Roger Tejada. I'm here with George Davila aboard the Aria. And uh, George, t- tell me, how long have you been guiding with the Aria? I've been uh, here almost seven years guiding on board Aria. But in my whole whole years um, on guiding, I've been more or less 22 years. Though. 22 years? Yes. And uh, you do a two-week-on, one-week-off shift, is that right? Yes, yes. We work two weeks, and then we have a week off. Your family, you have two kids, right? Yes. And you? Two daughters. Two daughters that uh, live in Iquitos. My wife and my two daughters. So I have a chance to see them uh, every week uh, or every time I leave uh, uh, when I finish my two-week shop, of course. And spend one week with them, with the whole family. Um, in choosing to be a guide aboard a ship 
on the Amazon and its tributaries. What's, uh, what, what motivated you to do that? Why, is, why that choice instead of one of the lodges that are in the area? Yeah, uh, I've been doing this for almost uh, uh, six or seven years working on a lodge. But when I moved to a cruise, this became like a very new experience to me. And, uh, well, it's something that when you go to a lodge, uh, you spend uh, uh, um, your time on an area which is uh, not uh, much uh, a, a place that you visit or every day you go out, you get to travel, you know what I mean? And trying to, when you cruise, you travel a lot more, so you visit different habitats so it motivates me it was the to know different habitats of different kind of wildlife while in on the other hand when you go to a lodge you are just in one type one habitat that you see certain species and nothing else you know unless you leave the lodge and then you go and travel to other places as well have you always worked in the Iquitos area uh, mostly I've been uh, working from Iquitos up river, upper Amazon. So my whole life we've been concentrated uh, mostly in uh, areas upper Amazon. So going away from Iquitos, maybe 200, 300 miles up river. And, and I like what you said about uh, seeing different habitats. You do cover more area for sure when you cruise than when you stay at a lodge. Um, do you feel like you see a greater variety of wildlife? Yes, definitely. You see also how the places change. So if you're concentrated in one area, you just see how they change only one spot and how, and but you don't know how that spot can be affecting the other species. Um, in this case, so uh, besides we cruise. I also am doing some research because they um, get to see these habitats and how it's being affected. Comparing one place with another when we travel and visit uh, these areas for many, many years. Are, are you collecting data? Yes, actually I'm doing some uh, data about birds and collecting them every time uh, we go out. Sometimes I'm doing some uh, a, a bird list of certain species that you find here or how the species are disappearing from one area and another as well. So doing the pretty much like a, a, how many species are migrating here and why and the question. Uh, it, it's always amazing to me how these these guides can spot an animal that's invisible to the guests. Uh, George is excellent at uh, finding especially birds and I think you must have pointed out to us just today maybe 20 different species of bird. Yeah, well, I, I, um, we're doing a count today. This morning we covered 53, 53 species that I was doing when on that area that we cover more or less like five miles traveling on the skiff. And uh, the incredible thing is that uh, on those species that we saw, we got uh, quite a few migrate, migratory ones boreal migrants and austral migrants as well exactly so but see how is this changing so that uh, on the other hand I saw that there were quite uh, a 
uh, it's less the migration that I used to find like five or ten years ago now and you know it's uh, a little bit uh, 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 warming that uh, what is actually affecting these things. You think climate change is affecting the migration pattern? Could be, yes. So that's my point of view, but I have to report first and see the results because I do these reports every week or every time I go out through the fields. And when I find, uh, uh, when I'm in Iquitos mainly, so I report my bird list to places like uh, uh, Cornell University and other things. And then they send me an email to see where did you find that species. And because it's not original from the air, sometimes it could be vagrant birds or something. What is happening? And we are collecting data from day one until now as well to see if it's this part of the Amazon is being affected by climate change too. How many birds do you think you see in an average cruise? Well, in my in average cruise, uh, we get to see more than 200 species because the National Reserve, that, that's where we concentrate most of our time, so covers more or less uh, 600 species. But if you go out, you know, and you continually do this bird watching trip, so you could cover um, less than one hour, uh, 20 or 25 species. You're uh, super enthusiastic about the birds. It's uh, it's catching. You know, it's infectious. People come here with the idea that they want to see megafauna. They want to see the pink dolphins. They want to see the gray exactly. dolphins. They'd love to see a jaguar or an anaconda. But by the time you're done with them, they're pretty excited about a, a parakeet or uh, a horned screamer. Or a macaw as well, too, yes. So because they're... These are a very interesting animals, so we are uh, doing a combination of everything, usually. So it's uh, not only what um, have, I'm here to talk about the birds, but that's what it's, what, uh, it's my expertise. So and, uh, but we also have, are here to talk about mammals, the different species that live here. We talk about the plants that live and the species that are used as a medicine too. So the jungle is for us like a rainforest university and we see different things and we get to learn every day that we go out. So we're still uh, learning a lot more and find out uh, why these species are very important because every single thing is connected to each other. Not only the birds, but also the plants, the trees that we see, and a species of animals like jaguars, like uh, uh, there could be pumas as well on the area, why they are a lot important and as biological controllers. Like we saw today, for example, the bats, they get so well camouflaged as well, but they are very important controllers of the population of mosquitoes too. So people like that when you explain things like that, wow, why don't we take some to our rooms and things like that. But yes, in, in reality, everything is connected and we are connected to nature as well somehow. Let's talk about your cultural connection. Uh, you're a native of the area, but uh, you're not from Iquitos City. Exactly. So I was born and raised down the Amazon. So I grew up in a small community of 20 families. And uh, 
part of my family there speak the Kokama language because my great-grandparents are true Indians. And they were Kokama, Kokamijas, but we learned the language because my grandfather taught my father and then my father taught us as well our language when we went to school. So we learned the Spanish, we used the Spanish to communicate outside our villages. But at home, we used to have some time to speak in our own native language too. So we, um, now, uh, when I left my village, came to Iquitos, and there was totally different world, you know, just for two, three moms to become adapted because people like uh, animals and everything's adapted to survive in some areas when they need to. How old were you when you left home? 16 years old. 16 years old because I studied the elementary school close to my village and then I went to another large village to study high school so finished when I was 16. The good thing is that my parents support my uh, education so they saved some money to pay my tuition and send me to some relatives that we have in Iquitos. That's where I spend my time uh, studying and working at the same time which was very hard as well, of course, the way how we started. And have your children continued your cultural connection or are they more city kids? Yeah, they're pretty much like city kids right now. But every time I'm with them, so I tell them our roots and they understand very well. My uh, youngest daughter is pretty much on birds too, so she's got the binoculars and when she wake up, she goes out with me and we do sometimes along the city, so looking for ur urban birds from the city as well. And she is onto nature. Well, my oldest, uh, she is in business, <laughs> so maybe there will be a connection there, nature and business, the way to work with them, but uh, yes, they really understand and once a year when I'm on vacation I take them to visit my relatives where I grew up also and they get to spend some time there with their grandfathers so for a few days and then we head back to the city. Tourism when, when done properly can be a way to preserve I guess traditional ways of life. Um, what's your opinion about um, tourism in general and tourism the way the ARIA practices? Yeah, uh, uh, well there's uh, two different things. Uh, thanks for that question. Actually, there's not too many uh, tour operators that I follow the uh, good way to continue the tourism. So there are so many tour companies. I, I can even uh, start a tour company, but uh, you need to understand this place very well. Some other people, they just do that for money, but they don't care about the environment. And the difference that I find here is that the company Aqua Expedition is really involved in the environmental programs and uh, they also educate our own people and ourselves to every time we, we, we are off duty so having some talks about how important is the ecosystem and how we can preserve it. So when we go out, if you realize we got some sort of nettings that we can use, then we go and 
uh, collect the plastic bottles. Or when we visit the village, we try to encourage our children as well because they are not on. We don't consider the children as the future. They are now the present and they help us also cleaning their villages or now uh, doing their contribution as well. Always company also working with uh, some NGOs, do some foundations, um, uh, work um, and conservation of there. Some guests that wants to give in something, so how is the best way that we can contribute to the rainforest and our company also given the best way to do it. And even send some photos as well of the work that they are developing, if there's something financial that is involved as well. And the company creates alternative for the river people. So when we visit these communities, sometimes uh, we use their dugout canoes and they, we are creating some income for the families. And each individual canoe is an individual family, so they get to take something for their families as well. And when we visit or we do jungle walks, we visit the local rangers there. The local rangers also get uh, some income for uh, showing as the nature. So that's the way how ecotourism is working here in the Amazon through aqua expedition, creating this alternative for our river people as well, which is a, a good way to do it uh, as well. When we visit the village, we take our guests there and they can enjoy watching, learning the culture, but also sometimes they like to uh, buy things like handicrafts and stuff like that. Yes. There does seem to be a, a big difference in the way it feels. Um, when you come here as a backpacker, I, I mean, I came here, I think 2001 was my first trip to Iquitos. And, uh, you know, we didn't have a, a lot of resources to, to work with. The experience was not entirely positive, and uh, I saw, you know, practices um, encouraged there that I, that I, I just couldn't feel good about. It seems like at the at the higher end of travel, there's a lot more attention paid with the right companies to sustainability, um, to um, environmental protection, and to uh, education and bettering the lives of the communities. Yeah, it's true because. Uh, our main goal is uh, protect this uh, precious ecosystem and also the people that live there uh, to live in completely harmony with nature. So we don't want, because we are visiting the place that our ancestors live in, so this is a place of our ancestors and we want, we want to create that same respect and our company, I guess, is doing that, respecting the things uh, when it visits this place, um, uh, creating this alternative, uh, contributing to the ecology, uh, inviting the children to have some talks in their schools there uh, every, every time we visit, because we're trying to uh, uh, aware our own people and that's the reason why we visit different communities every time we navigate create a bio biodiesel programs here with the engines not polluting the rivers and things like that it's another thing that also the company is working on and care about this environment too does the aqua run on biodiesel yes biodiesel it's, it's a little noisy. <laughs> you can hear it in the background, but as ships go, 
It's pretty quiet. It's uh, exactly, but they still, you know, there. Uh, a lot of these engineers that they do and the aqua have to go onto maintenance every year so then they fix and things like that. So sometimes they, every time we, cause we navigate day and night, you can easily hit some locks on the way and things like that as well. And that's what it makes the vibration too. But uh, uh, yes. Is there is there any um, movement to ban Plastics, commercial plastics in Peru to ban plastic bags. I haven't seen any plastic bags, but I have seen quite a few plastic bottles. Is that is that a thing in Peru yet? Uh, well, the local governments creating laws for many different things, but that we haven't seen something like uh, that, like that. And that's why we are starting first to collect the plastic from the rivers and things. Um, and not only that, but it also we are seriously uh, going into the different villages every time we are off duty also um, visiting their villages and create the, um, uh, this environmental education for the children that live there too. Um, yeah, that's our main goal too. And reduce the amount of plastic in plastic. Uh, that's also another main goal that we're still working on it. Uh, providing aluminum water bottle to our guests and use the aluminum water bottle trying to uh, encourage them to bring in an every excursion so we can refill that maybe in the future there will be less plastic bottles for this company and uh, see the way how they're going to uh, uh, provide it to the guests as well but basically we started with this uh, use of aluminum bo water bottles to avoid or reduce the amount of plastic bottles. So let's talk about seasons. Um, you've got uh, a rainy season here in the Amazon basin of Peru and uh, a drier season um, or a low water season. Tell us about uh, the differences there and uh, what's the advantage of each season. Well, uh, uh, we do these trips all year round, and we always go uh, to a different places and see how it change. And we've seen so many changes, that's why we create this uh, seven days experience for people that want to see how one area compared to another area as well. And you see the changes on the seasons. On the rainy season, so, uh, you have a more chances to explore narrow streams, so you go further and see other things that you don't see on the dry season. Yeah, so the forest of sort wild. of floods. And yeah. That's, that's what, November? Exactly. This is start basically from the end of November until May, and May is considered our driest month. Then the, um, start the dry season from June till October, part of September as well. But there are some times when the water is very low. It fluctuates down to two or four meters, and those creeks are not able to explore, so we concentrate on the main river. But you see different things, too, that comes to the, to the river and drink water right there. Makes them. It, it, it's uh, like good for um, one season, and on the rainy season and on the dry season as well so so in dry season it's easier to see some of the some of the uh, mammals um, because they're all coming to the river to drink exactly. birds as well exactly. but in the flooded uh, or the rainy season you're able to travel through more territory through the flooded forest and uh, it's also dolphin breeding season right yes. in uh, sort of uh, time we're in now February March right so 
is true because once you explore this uh, uh, jungle during the dry season, you have to walk. And sometimes mosquitoes bother them, but when the water is dry, I mean it's high, so then you move into the same places by, by boat. And that gives you a totally different idea of the rainforest. So you see like uh, uh, species or uh, some animals and even birds eye level. And you are walking on a dry season and you see things like on a canopy. So it is amazing way to experience also the raining season yes and every single animal depends depends you know sometimes when people want to see bigger animals or they want to do or they want to fish more so there's that's the season also for them to go you know but you can fish all year round but in so but it's in the dry season which you expect to have more fish than all the day and even here we're we're in rainy season and we've had maybe one downpour a day. Uh, it's you know right now it's, the sky is completely blue with with white puffy clouds, but uh, you know it's not as though it's raining all the time. It's usually a pretty intense rainfall. Is that it could be afternoon or early evening? Yes. And, uh, then you've got blue sky and beautiful sunsets. Yes, it's true. It's true. So the weather here in the jungle is unpredictable, but does you know? is in this section of the Amazon where we experience 250 days of rain each year. So we expect to have a rain at any time. So we, uh, that's the reason why we are always prepared and we provide our kids always rain ponchos. In case it starts to rain, then we can provide that. So, uh, but we always move. Um, even though it's raining and we are on the raining season, the water won't rise up. It's, it's still coming down a little bit, so we experience that also in these days. Probably it's because the snow stopped falling up in the Andes. So when the snow stopped falling in the Andes, even though it rains two, three or four days, the water won't rise up more than an inch or two inches. But if it's still uh, uh, falling up in the Andes with a lot of snow in the, those areas, so if we have a hot days, three or four days or a whole week doesn't rain at all the water will keep rising up it's amazing how you can see this on the amazon we're, we're talking about an enormous volume of water uh, you know i've seen the missouri river i've seen the the mississippi this is something completely different uh, it's not clear water it's sort of a muddy very tannic water today i went swimming <laughs> george was the only guy to get in the water uh, but uh, it, it's so dark that when you put your, your hand in the water, you know, up to the elbow, you can no longer see your, your fingers because of the, uh, the cloudiness, the, the tannic, tannins in the tannic water. Acid. Yes, yeah. there's a lot of tannic acid. So we are so talking about that, hey, John, so we're talking about the most voluminous river in the world that uh, has more than 1,100 tributaries, and 17 of those tributaries are even larger than the Mississippi River. So this is a, a river that discharge more than, the, uh, let's see, uh, 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 57 million gallons of water per second into the Atlantic Ocean. So it's a tremendous amount of fresh water that goes out of the sea. And water, the reason why this water gets like white mud is because it brings a lots of sediments from the Andean region as well. 
Yes. Well, George, thank you so much for your time. I know we're, it looks like we're coming to a stop. You've got to go take care of things. Thank you for all your time. It's been a pleasure. So thank you very much, John. Thank you. I'm ready. Okay, great, great to be here with you, Roger Tejada, one of the four naturalist guides aboard the Aria. Uh, Roger, how, how long have you been guiding? Uh, well, I, uh, besides this company, I uh, already uh, 19 years, almost getting for 20 years working for you know different uh, company of tourists, tourism companies. I mean, how much of that time has been aboard the Aria? Uh, five years already, sir. So a great, amazing, and wonderful experience, you know, guiding in the Amazon. You're you're from this area, right? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, to give you a better idea, I grew up about 145 miles upriver from Nikito City, and um, I am from the very uh, nice uh, Indian tribe called Tawayo, so the place where I'm coming from. And when did you leave your home? When did you leave uh, the Tawayo oh, um, when community? I- when I was about 12 years old, I, Daddy used to sell, you know, uh, a skin of animals back to Iquitos. And uh, he used to kill a lot. He used to hunt a lot, you know, with harpoons. And uh, he met somebody else in Iquitos who uh, invited Daddy to go to work together in the oil company. And they moved us to the civilization. After 12, 12 years old, I started to grow up in Iquitos as well. That's the reason I become as a naturalist guide, English, and also I am one of the naturalists. I speak German too. <laughs> yes, sir. Your your father's uh, life as a hunter uh, and your life now as a guide, those are related but uh, very different. Can you give me your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, so I uh, I grow in in the jungle, eating everything, whatever daddy you know hunt, but. Uh, Daddy was to be one of the very good hunters back home, you know, by, back to that Tawayo Indian tribe. Mom used to just prepare the food for us. Uh, I, as a natural guide already, I, I am in charge to protect the rainforest and uh, flora and fauna in general, you know, mammals. This is because part of our job uh, to show the tourists you know, when they are here in the Peruvian Amazon rainforest. Your uh, your experience here on the Aria is different than probably what you experienced as as a guide uh, in some of the lodges. Can you tell me about the differences there and maybe why you prefer and why you've decided to to go with cruising? Well, um, it's it's a big difference, you know, being um, guiding in the rainforest in the eco lodge. I come in from those uh, places too. It's a very different experience being in the Aria Amazon on board of this, you know, the five-star hotel, floating hotel in the Amazon. Uh, they focus most of the time into the national park called Pacaya and Samaria, so make it a wonderful adventure. The idea is as much wildlife we find, you know, it's much better because tourists, they coming not only for... Uh, seeing just trees, you know, the green vegetation. They want to see monkeys like we saw, for example, in one afternoon, four different types of monkeys like yesterday, you know. So which means it was a great adventure for all the passengers on board of Ari, of course. It's true. I mean, when, you, when you're at a lodge, you're, you're visiting the same territory over and over again with guests each day or maybe every other day. And here we're visiting... You know, not not even the same area, and at at a, at the most once a week. Well, it's very beautiful when you are in the eco lodge because it's a very different experience. You experience much much more the rainforest. So, 
and uh, sometimes you can see it, uh, spiders walking on the wall of the cabins, or sometimes tarantulas, you know, those kind of things. But it, You make it sound great. Yeah, yeah being in, in Adi Amazon, you know, we are not in the middle of the forest, we are floating in the water, so which means it's, it's very different, of course, being in, in the lodge. Both are very great adventure, of course, much more adventure if you love it, you know, being in much more in touch with, you know, the rainforest, so you choice most of the time lodges. But a vessel is, is very different. Uh, from here, we, you know, just in focus most of the time, boat rides where we, you know, have most of the time great adventure, you know, along the Amazon. Yes, sir, it's really nice. Uh, let's talk about the seasons, dry versus wet. Do you do you have a preference between those two? Favorite? Uh, well, both of them uh, they are very beautiful. When the water is very high, right after December to May, you know, it makes a wonderful experience. Also, because a lot of plants and trees they are blooming, and birds flying around. It is very nice, and you can take also the small. Uh, uh, creeks that you can explore more deep jungle by boat you don't need to get off everything is flooded but uh, right after May to uh, June to November I mean so it's the dry season the water dropping down and there is only one canal where you can uh, find much much more wildlife you know the animals they don't have chance to drink the water deep jungle so they come into the main canal of the river and they drink the water so you can easily find much more like a big mammals like jaguars and tapirs for example and uh, huge troops of uh, capybaras you know eating the grass along the river bank so which means it's really amazing yeah so, so dry, dry season is maybe your, your favorite time uh, August, yeah September. much more so September October is such a wonderful season to come in and visit the rainforest if you are going to visit the national park. And, and we, we were talking earlier about the different cruise options. There's a seven-day, a three-day, a four-day. On the four-day, you do go much farther from the major city where the airport is located. Yes, sir. So. We uh, move from Monday to Friday, you know, along the Ukayali River, so which means much more uh, far destination. Uh, round trip, we are talking about uh, 322 miles altogether, so that we cover it along the Ukayali River, so which means it's much more far. As much far you go, I mean, you know, it's much more adventure and you have much more chance to find more. Yes, sir. When, when clients are considering coming, coming to the, the Amazon region, um, you know, and maybe they have other options. Maybe they're thinking about visiting to... Titicaca or spending some time in another country, um, what would you say to them to convince them? Or what would you say to encourage them to come to the Amazon? What will they find? What's different about it? Well, so being in the Amazon uh, is, is really wonderful because the experience is totally different. Weather is very different. Uh, when you go along the Amazon, just let's talk about the local communities that they love pictures. You know, they never uh, saw too much people, like white-skinned people, like tourists, for example, coming and taking pictures and that they love it. So what I recommend the rainforest is because there's nothing to worry, like uh, people thinking about uh, you're going to find, or maybe anaconda is going to jump on you. No, we, most of the time, we find animals, we take the look, we take a great pictures, 
and uh, yeah, that's 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 the part that most of the time I recommend to come in here because it's really amazing to see it more than uh, two thousand different species of birds. You know, during the four or five days, sometimes it's really really amazing. I recommend coming in the rainforest because there is nothing to worry. There is uh, only mammals or maybe monkeys jumping in the branch of the trees. Uh, birds, a lot of them flying around, going to piranhas fishing, you know, so which means make it a really, really unbelievable and unforgettable, you know, experience. People hear piranha and they, they get nervous, but uh, these guys are fruit eaters. Uh, yeah, piranhas, we think that the poor piranhas, they took the bad reputation only by movies like Hollywood, for example, because we don't have shower in the houses. So we, we jump in the water and we swim among piranhas. And even if you are bleeding, so piranhas never come in, never attack to you. We eat piranhas as a humans. Piranhas, they don't eat humans. Yeah, they should be more worried about us. Exactly. I, <laughs> did, I did go swimming today. Uh, no injuries to report. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 very very sure. So we jump in the water every single day, and we have a wonderful time all the time swimming in the Amazon. Tell me about uh, what you'd like to pass on to your kids—the stewardship you feel for the land or or your heritage. Oh well, I would like you know to uh, uh, teach my children. I know I have not enough time maybe to teach them, but in my free uh, time, like on my week off, you know, I go to back home what I trying to teach my children you know part of my language coming from Tawayo Indian tribe but they are unbelievable much more interesting into the English language but they know a lot of words but they don't speak like I do for example so far you know nowadays I still speak in my own language so but it is very sad uh, nobody else understand I am the last in my family so I uh, I keep doing you know uh, this speaking I mean this language I pass into my kids you know I love the rainforest I am passing to them the experience you know and I teach them how amazing is for example the rainforest how nice it is to protect you know every single creature every single monkey or ants you know or birds along the rainforest so they understand very well about the environment because all the time I I try to teach as much I can my children it's not only my children back home it's also the children in the rainforest they need to understand you know to protect how to protect in good ways you know the rainforest and also how to keep clean the environment you know it's, it's really important yeah you, you do outreach with the communities you visit for education uh, yes sir yeah, we take uh, two, three minutes of your time, of our time, and we teach them, you know, for example, when we invite it, or sometimes the tourists bring, you know, stuff that they don't need to throw it on the ground, like, or in the water, like uh, plastic things, you know, that we need to take take care about it, and they need to burn it to make it disappear, you know, and uh, keep clean the environment, or the place where they live in the jungle, of course. Roger, in closing, would you give us a little uh, Tawayo, would you? Say a few, a few words for us so we can hear your language. Sure. I say, you know, thank you very much for this interview. I'm very happy to have you here, Mr. John. Thank you very much, sir. Awesome. <laughs> no problem. Thank you. Yes, sir. If you'd like to know more about custom travel in Latin America and the Antarctic, reach out to us at landedtravel.com. Since 2006, Landed's success has been built on word-of-mouth referrals. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a minute to rate the podcast or share it with a friend. Thank you for listening. 